today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. If I know who I am in Christ, then I can really, then I can live my life without any form of pretense. I can live my life without any form of charade. And I am who I am in Christ. And beloved, it just doesn't matter what you think about me. But that's not an easy thing to continue to go on, is it? Because in our flesh, we're always worried what people are thinking about us. That's why we got to remember to stay focused on who we are in Christ. Because there is great liberty and great freedom in that. We as God's people have been given new life. Abba Father is our God and we have inherited every spiritual blessing. We know that Jesus loves us and cares for our every need. In today's message, Pastor David points out that if we truly believe everything the Lord says about us in His Word, we no longer have to be afraid about man's opinion of us. This allows us to walk in humility and to serve others with joy. In other words, a heart that is content and confident in God is not moved by earthly circumstances. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, A Confident Humility. Look with me, we're going to begin in in Luke chapter 22. And here we see again a great lesson that Jesus is teaching them. One of the last great lessons is actually a lesson on humility. A lesson on true humility, what that looks like. And as they finished dinner... Jesus spoke to them, and if you've got your Bibles, you are Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin in verse 21. The word says, but as Jesus is speaking to them, he says, but behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Do you see the bizarrety of the situation? On one hand, they're arguing, gosh, who would betray the Lord? And they're looking around the room. And I'm sure in their minds is, I bet it's Philip. I bet it's Philip. No, no, no. I No, I, I think it's Bartholomew. Well, it wouldn't be me because, you know, after all, my standing among the disciples is so much greater than the rest of you guys. And the, suddenly this discussion that went first, worrying about who was going to betray the Lord, and now who's the greatest among the disciples? What, what a situation these guys are. And we kind of realize as we look at this that 
up until this time, up until this night even, really and truly, Jesus called to himself 12 knuckleheads, okay? We just, we just got to lay it out there the way it is. All through this time as he's ministered to them, there's been arguments and complaints among themselves. There's been disagreements. There's been jealousies. There's been thinking of themselves higher than they ought to. As one time they go to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, there's guys over here that, man, they're not with us and they're baptizing people. You think we ought to call down hellfire and brimstone on them? And Jesus says, no, no. Again, the attitudes of these guys, they still didn't get quite what was going on. And I can just imagine that conversation. But Jesus didn't let the conversation continue for very long because he continued to speak to them. In verse 25, we read, and he said to them, considering this conversation that's going on, he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves, for who is greater? He who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Sometimes it's kind of hard to get this Jesus thing right when the world is screaming out at us in all various and assorted directions. This idea of humility, this idea of serving, this idea of of caring for one another, when the world screams out in a totally different direction, you got to take care of yourself. you got to watch out for yourself in order to improve yourself. you got to do whatever it takes to get to that point in life. And yet, The Jesus style is totally different than that. The Jesus style says, no, you humble yourself before God and before men. And then Jesus asked them this question. And it's that kind of question that, you know, you know the answer, but then you also know that he knows the answer. But you know that he's asking the question not because he needs to know the answer, but because if you give the answer, he's going to tell you something totally different. And so when he asked the question, I think that they were pretty well all silent. And he continued on. He asked that question, who is greater? Who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Isn't it he who sits at the table that's the greater one? The one who serves is the lesser. He says, and yet I am among you as the one who serves. Now, at this point in time, I want you to jump because actually the conversation continues. Luke doesn't carry it here, but John does in his gospel record. So in John chapter 13, I want you to skip over to there. And here we see how the Lord of Lords, the the King of Kings, the creator of all that we know, demonstrates once more for these guys and actually for all of us true humility. He shows us what true humility in the midst of strength really looks like. And as we look at John 13, we'll begin in verse 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Now, bear in mind those three things. We'll look at those in a moment. He understood that the Father had given all things into his hands. He had 
He understood that he had come from God. He understood that he was going back to God. Well, in verse 4, it says that he rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, girded himself, and after that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And he came to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, the one who wrote the book of First Peter that we'll look at actually in a moment. But as he came to Simon Peter, Peter didn't get it, okay? Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing, I understand you don't understand this now. You don't understand this now, but you will know after this. And Peter, that great guy of extremes, okay, he says, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if I don't wash you, wash you, you have no part with me. Bam, here comes the other extreme. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also wash my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Then he goes on to speak to them. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garments, he sat down again. And he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, what does it say, church? Blessed are you. What? If you know them? If you do them. If you do them. Now, I realize that there's a multitude of lessons that we could look at in both the Luke passage and the John passage here. And we could spend our entire time here on all that's going on and just the dynamics of that upper room situation. But what I want you to as clearly as possible understand is this action of true humility. True humility in the midst of strength and might and power. Here, Jesus, the Son of God, comes and washes the disciples' feet. As he's demonstrating that concept of humility, you know what? Most people just don't get that. Most individuals today, we don't understand that. They didn't understand it then. We have a really hard time understanding it now. And a lot of people believe that today, in order to to be humble or to even act in some way of humility before others, that we would have to demean ourselves, that we would have to figure out that, you know, I'm just not worthy of anything, and that's why I'm just serving everybody, because there's no good thing within me. I'm just a worm. I might as well serve. Now, there's a little bit of truth in all of that, okay? But that's not the great point of all of this. 
particularly in and of ourselves, if we are in Christ. You need to understand, if if you know Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ, then we become so much more, not because of what we've done, but by virtue of the very abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives. We're now children of the Most High. Our sin is forgiven. We are going to be the ones who are going to reign and rule with Christ in the heavenlies. So where and how then does true humility fit in the midst of that? If I know all of this about myself because the word of God declares it to me, because I know that I have the spirit of God dwelling in me, then how do I work in this whole idea of true humility? And that's what I want you to look at and think and to ponder, even as we once again remind you that John gives us three really great descriptors of Jesus, I believe, his, his, his mental state. And trust me, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze the Lord Jesus, okay? That's, that's not where I'm going here. But look at the beginning of what we read this morning up in verse 3. Number one, he knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. He knew the authority that he had. He knew the place and the position that he was in, in the kingdom of the Father. He also knew, the word says, that he was from God. He knew who he was. There was not a struggle about this in Jesus' mind or life at all. He knew that he was from the Father. And it says that he also knew that he was going to God. He was going back to the Father. He knew that there was a plan, there was a purpose, and he was part of that plan. He was part of the purposes of God the Father in all of this. He understood the position he had in the kingdom, that all things were given into his hands. He understood where he came from. He understood where he was going. And with all of that, I want you to see here in this, for you and I as believers, that when you and I know and understand our place, and our position in the kingdom of God, then it really doesn't matter what man thinks about us. If I know who I am in Christ, then I can really, then I can live my life without any form of pretense. I can live my life without any form of charade. And I am who I am in Christ and Beloved, it just doesn't matter what you think about me. But that's not an easy thing to continue to go on, is it? Because in our flesh, we're always worried what people are thinking about us. That's why we got to remember to stay focused on who we are in Christ. Because there is great liberty and great freedom in that. When we understand that, then it becomes easier also for us to humble ourselves before others. Because we understand that when we as believers humble ourselves before others, then we're bringing glory to God and we're bringing honor to the calling that he has in our lives. And we're actually able to then walk not in feigned humility, not in pretense, but in true humility. Because God's in control of my life. I know who I am in him. 
Now, with that picture in mind, now let's get to where we're supposed to be this morning in First Peter chapter 5, okay? First Peter chapter 5. And we've been going through the, the book of First Peter for a while now. We're now at the end of it. And with this idea of understanding, as, as Peter is closing this, this letter to these churches, you remember last week in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 5, we addressed this, this idea of elders and hopefully gave understanding of what their position was. Their calling was to watch out for the flock of God that God had placed under their care. Peter reminded them also that they needed to see this responsibility as a position of honor and a position of humility. It's not a power game as an elder or as a leader of the church. To be a a pastor of a congregation, whether that congregation is 50 or 5,000, it's an awesome responsibility. Awesome responsibility. But it's also a great honor. And anyone who serves in that needs to serve it with great humility, no matter how big that flock might be. Peter told the elders that if they performed their responsibilities faithfully and with that right kind of heart, that the great shepherd would bring their reward with him when he returns. He brings that great crown of glory that does not fade away. Now we are in verse 5. And Peter turns his attention to the balance of the fellowship here. In verse 5 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, we read, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with what? Humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, in my New King James Version, it says you younger people. I believe in the King James Version, it says you young men. This idea, unfortunately, in that translation, it kind of brings to mind this idea of, again, older and younger chronological age. But actually, in the context of what Peter is speaking about, he's speaking about those who are in leadership versus all the rest of the flock. He says, so again, the responsibility of those in leadership are verses 1 through 4. Then the rest of the flock is speaking in verse 5. And he speaks to them again with this idea of understanding how and where the position of the body is and the order that God has within the church. Our God is a God of order, and we've seen that all through this in all of these earlier chapters. Remember earlier on over in chapter 2, he spoke to us about the fact that all of us need to be submitted to the government. Now, you say, well, no, boy, our our government's bad, but theirs was worse. Okay, let's just leave it at that. Theirs was worse. He also says that employees ought to be uh, submitted to their employers. He says, slaves submitted to your masters. So, um, again, if you're an employee, you might feel like a slave. But but he still speaks of this order of submission. Wives, he's called for you to be submitted to your husbands. But then he's quick to add the responsibility of the husbands in the care and the love of the wife. 
through all of this, as we go back and look, Peter is calling for all of us that we maintain that compassion for one another, that we as a whole minister to one another with a loving, tender-hearted, courteous attitude over in Verse 8 of chapter 3 speaks of that. All of these things demonstrate God's order, God's design within the church. Our God is a God of order, and in the church, he's called for this orderliness to be demonstrated. Again, as elders lead the church through the care and compassion, and then the balance of the church, understanding the elders' position and their responsibility before the people and before God, and they respond then with that willingness to be submitted to that leadership. But here in verse, uh, in, in chapter 5, Peter is very quick there in that verse 5 to also say, yes, but all of us, all of the sheep, and as I shared last week, the elders are part of the sheep too. He says, all of us then are to be submissive to one another and to be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This humility, again, comes as we have this clear understanding, this this true understanding of who we are in Christ. There should never, ever be an effort from any of us that we need to try and prove ourselves to any of the other of us. We are who we are in Christ. And we need to understand that. We need to grow in that. We're not striving for place or position. As the word says, God will lift you up at the appropriate time. And when I recognize and when I'm confident of who I am in Christ, I don't fear seeing someone else honored. I don't fear uh, someone else getting the credit for something. I don't fear someone else being lifted up. I know that my God knows who I am and that the mighty hand of God will exalt me in due time according to what his word declares. To me, it's one of those humorous things of God. It's also a wonderful testimony of the grace and mercy of God, where it is Peter here speaking to us about humility. Peter, that proud, boisterous, loud, kind of take charge kind of guy, is no longer the knucklehead. He's learned. I believe part of it was that day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came and filled his life and just renewed him in a way and in the power that he had never experienced before. But also part of it, I believe, is just experience in his walk with the Lord and in ministering to people. Here, the proud disciple speaks of humility. And as Peter declares that we should be clothed with humility, the very word that he uses for clothed here in 1 Peter is the word that's most often used in the Greek language when it speaks about tying of, of, of the servant, tying on an apron in preparation for service. 
Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word. Make a small